Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Will Johnson. The show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. It's not about his death, it's about his life, how he lived. You know, how he cared for everybody. It wasn't nobody he didn't meet that needed something that he didn't have. After that sound of gunshots occurs, the Germantown dispatcher is heard saying, hello, hello. Do you solemnly swear or affirm testimony you can do these calls for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth shall be God? Yes. Just past midnight, in the early morning of July 19, 2010, a 911 dispatcher in Germantown, Tennessee, outside of Memphis, receives a panicked call. Germantown 911, where is your emergency? Hello? Hello? Eleven gunshots can be heard before the call ends. But the caller never has a chance to identify himself. It was a uh, hang-up call in which a male voice can be heard and then uh, numerous uh, gunshots. The dispatcher would make the decision not to report the call. My name is Brad Broders, and I'm a reporter at ABC 24 in Memphis. Like many who live in the Memphis, Tennessee area, Brad Broders has long known about the basketball career of hometown hero Lorenzen Wright. Memphis basketball star. Memphis basketball star Lorenzen Wright. Favorite son of Memphis and star basketball player Lorenzen Wright. Lorenzen Wright played basketball in his early part of his high school career in Mississippi. He then transferred to Memphis and played at Booker T. Washington High School. And in at Booker T. Washington High School, he became one of the uh, best recruits, uh, not only in the Mid-South region, but in the country. He was known for his athleticism, his rebounding ability, his block shots. He grew tall at an early age, and by the time he was transferred to Memphis. He became one of the kind of a, a generational talent. Memphis has a long history of great prep basketball players, but Lorenzo Wright really stood out as a, a once-in-a-generation kind of player in high school. It's in high school that Lorenzen met his future wife, Shara Robinson, who would later become Shara Wright Robinson. Coming out of high school, Lorenzen had plenty of scholarship offers from Division I programs all over the country. But the young standout ended up deciding to stay home and accepted an offer from the University of Memphis, where he played for two seasons. So while Lorenzen was in college at the University of Memphis, he found out that uh, he was going to be having a child with his girlfriend, uh, then Cheryl Robinson. That was, uh, according to family and his teammates, that was a large reason why he wanted to leave for the NBA. He had the talent to get there, but now he had an added uh, financial burden to 
uh, with a child on the way. And that was, uh, according to family and teammates, that was one of the reasons he, he went pro after a sophomore year in 1996. Wright was drafted seventh overall by the Los Angeles Clippers in 1996. And the six foot eleven center went on to play in the NBA for over a decade. Thirteen years in the NBA, over the entire course of his career, he made fifty five million dollars. Uh, he bounced around a little bit towards the end of his career, as many NBA players do. You get into your thirties, your legs uh, and your body sorts of starts to break down. Lorenzen Wright was no different in this case. Um, spent some time in. Memphis uh, returning to Memphis just as Bluff City um, received a basketball team, NBA basketball team uh, from Vancouver. They moved to Memphis in 2001, and Lorenzen Wright was one on those early teams. And for him, that really came full circle. He obviously was a prep standout at Booker T. Washington High School in Memphis, stayed in the city to play for the University of Memphis, and then after some years in the NBA, returned to Memphis in 2001. With the Grizzlies moving to Memphis in the same year Wright was traded, he became the first Memphis native ever to play for the Memphis Grizzlies. When they call Memphis Lorenzo Wright a Memphis basketball hero, he, he truly is because he had an impact in the city at all three levels, high school, college, and the NBA. The basketball player had a tremendous NBA career and was beloved in his hometown of Memphis. By the time Lorenzen decided to hang up his basketball shoes, he and Cher Wright had had seven children together, and he'd played for a total of five different NBA teams. Lorenzen Wright's career uh, wrapped up in uh, 2009 with the Atlanta Hawks. So the last year of his life, he spent time between both Atlanta and Memphis. His uh, Cher Wright then, with several children with Lorenzen, had moved back to the Memphis, had been living in the Memphis area. So Lorenzen had been spending time between both uh, Atlanta and Memphis. Lorenzen Wright retired after 13 seasons in the NBA. And after 13 years of marriage, he and Shara Wright got a divorce. Although friends say they continued to have an on-again, off-again relationship in the months that followed. In the summer of 2010, Lorenzen was living in Atlanta. But in July, he stopped back in Memphis to visit his kids. The day before he was killed, he was visiting the six children he shared with his newly ex-wife, Shira Wright, at her home in Collierville. He was there to visit friends. He was also there uh, to see his children. And uh, the last night that he was seen alive, he dropped off his son and picked them up at a nearby gym. And his friend uh, saw him. But then uh, into the evening of July 19th and the morning after and the day after and the days after, friends were frantically trying to call him. His mother, Deborah Marion, was trying to call him, but there was no answer. On July 22nd, after days without hearing from him, Lorenzen Wright's mother reported her son missing. Uh, Lorenzen Wright was reported missing by his mother. Uh, two or three days later, his last known location was a house at 4530 Whispering Woods uh, with his then ex-wife, Sharon Wright. Uh, that's in Carterville, uh, Tennessee. Because Lorenzo Wright was such a well-known figure in Memphis, this case drew a lot of, of local attention. It drew uh, much media coverage, and the mother, Deborah Marion, was on the news uh, constantly. There was uh, bulletins going out. It was a, a days, days-long search more than a week. During that span of time, investigators learned about a 911 call that had been placed on the night Lorenzen Wright 
was last seen alive. The ending of his life was captured in a 911 call he placed in the moments before he was shot 11 times. There is a 911 call that Germantown dispatch picked up. Germantown is a nearby suburb of Memphis. You can hear the call, and in the call, it's very brief. You hear a man yelling, <laughs> and there are multiple gunshots, nearly a dozen gunshots that you can hear on that call. Hello? After that sound of gunshots occurs, the Germantown dispatcher is heard saying, hello, hello. A 911 call was made by Lorenzen Wright's cell phone. The call captured the sound of multiple gunshots, and at the time, nothing came of the call, but it is believed to be the moment he was killed. However, the Germantown dispatcher did not pick up and did not follow up on that call. That was a very key piece of information in the days that followed for the discovery of this call when Lorenzen Wright officially became a missing person. That fateful 911 call was pinged to an operator in Germantown and never reported. It's still not clear why the 911 operator didn't immediately follow up on this call. But when investigators finally learned about it over a week later, it would lead them to a wooded area near Germantown in the suburbs of Memphis. Uh, after officers located that 911 call and there was a delay uh, doing that, officers were dispatched to search for the body of Mr. Wright, and they found Mr. Wright's uh, body had been there for some time, about nine days, in a field in Memphis, Tennessee, off the lake cutoff just west of uh, Hacks Cross. Around the body of Mr. Wright, officers located uh, several 9mm shell casings. Lorenzen Wright was missing for nine days before his severely decomposed body was found on July 28, 2010, in a field near the TPC Southwind Golf Course. Lorenzen's body was found in a very wooded area called the Callus Cutoff. It was near the home where Lorenzen's mother lived at the time, and the day that the body was discovered, a news footage captured Lorenzen Wright's mother, Deborah Marion, having to be restrained by law enforcement. She was on the other side of the crime tape, but as the footage showed that day, they led her underneath the tape, and you can see her frantically running to the crime scene where her son's body was found. And it was closure uh, for Deborah Marion after a more than a week-long missing persons case. So now the question became, who killed Lorenzen Wright? This is obviously a violent offense, an offense that's torn apart family. There were some interesting nuggets that emerged in the days after Lorenzen Wright's body was found. Several days after his body was found on August 1st, 2010, a neighbor reported seeing a bonfire at Shara Wright's property uh, and burnt items were found at her property subsequently. That raised the curiosity of some people because late July and early August would not be the time that anyone in Memphis would be having a bonfire considering the heat even into the night. Uh, in the weeks that followed, the months that followed after Lorenzen Wright's body was found, Lorenzen's mother, Deborah Marion, claimed her son's death was linked to money. Lorenzen Wright had earned over $50 million throughout his MBA career, but he reportedly spent it pretty freely and was generous with his friends. So according to financial records, he didn't have much of that $50 million left over at the time of his death. But what he did have was a $1 million life insurance policy set to go to the mother of his children. Share right. 
after his body was found, Cheryl Wright did collect on that $1 million life insurance policy. Um, but according to records, within months of collecting it, that account had dwindled down to just a couple of dollars. There were some proceedings in court later on uh, that w- it was determined in court that Cheryl had spent uh, the death money on everything from a very expensive Escalade, more than $32,000, a trip to New York City that was more than $11,000. And now this money was largely supposed to be for to support Lorenz and several children after his death. But as the court proceeding showed, Cheryl was spending it on a lot of things for herself, and that raised the continued attention of Lorenz and Wright's mother, who for months and months and years after Lorenzen Wright's body was found, she still had suspicions, even though technically it was still a cold case in the criminal sense. For years following that initial flurry of information, Lorenzen Wright's case stayed cold. And for most of that time, Shara Wright remained quiet until 2015. Five years after Lorenzen Wright's body is found, Shara Wright releases a book, and the book is called Mr. Tell Me Anything. It's a book about written from a woman's perspective about falling in love with the same man of her dreams over and over again. And it's about a basketball player and the woman who's married to a basketball player. It describes a troubled marriage. It describes infidelity, greed, and chaos. And the character in the book was named Sharon Robertson. And so a lot of people wondered how much of this was a fictional account or how much was this semi-autobiographical. Around this same time, Cher Wright also gave an interview for a video project put together by Fox Sports and Sports Illustrated titled, Who Killed Lorenzen Wright? In that project, Cher Wright is interviewed. So it's one of the first times she discusses her ex-husband's death extensively uh, since the five years since his body was found. And she's quoted in that video project saying, at first, I'm a wife, then I'm a mother, and then thirdly, I'm an author. The law enforcement should do what's best to find out who's the killer. For some in the Memphis community, including Lorenzen Wright's mother, that interview drew additional suspicion in the direction of Shara Wright. But despite the renewed interest in the case in 2015, there were still no arrests. And it seemed like it might stay that way until two years later, in November of 2017. This is when the Lorenzen Wright murder investigation, which had been cold for more than seven years, there's the first major break. There's a news conference held that afternoon, and investigators said they found what they described as the murder weapon in a lake in Walnut, Mississippi, more than an hour away from Memphis. Um, Police later said an elite FBI dive team came in and went down into that lake and found that murder weapon. The investigators described it as the murder weapon because it was taken to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, also known as the TBI, and it was verified as one of the murder weapons. We later learned that the person who told investigators to search that Mississippi lake for the murder weapon was a cousin of Cher Wright's and a convicted killer named Jimmy Martin. Uh, Sometime thereafter, an individual by the name of Jimmy Martin who identified himself as a co-conspirator 
of Mr. Turner and uh, Ms. Wright uh, gave a statement to police officers. Jimmy Martin was serving time for an unrelated case, but he told investigators that he was part of the murder. He helped clean up the crime scene of Lorenz and Wright and then traveled to toss that murder weapon in that Mississippi lake. Officers recovered that uh, firearm and sent to TBI compared against the casings uh, located around Mr. Wright's body and it was determined to in fact be the murder weapon. Uh, there would be other evidence presented in the case that would corroborate uh, the account of Mr. Martin, other uh, corroborating evidence with regard uh, to the statement that he provided law enforcement. Investigators had the murder weapon, but as Lorenzen Wright's mother, Deborah Marion, would tell WATN, the gun didn't shoot itself. Someone had to pull the trigger. And about a month after that November 2017 announcement, investigators would finally make an arrest. The first arrest came December 5th, 2017. That's when a man named Billy Turner was arrested by the multi-agency gang unit in the Memphis area. He was leaving a house and then went to a convenience store in a suburb of Memphis called Collierville and was arrested. According to the arrest report, witnesses identified him as the person responsible for Lorenz and Wright's murder. A little background with Billy Turner. He had convictions in the 1990s for things such as theft, reckless endangerment with a deadly weapon, attempted aggravated assault, attempted kidnapping, some drug charges, and burglary. But according to those who knew him later in his life in the months and years leading up to the murder, he had turned his life around. Um, he had attended a, uh, a Collierville area church in the, in the Memphis area. And he was running a landscaping, a lawn mowing business at the time of his arrest. Prosecutors say Billy Turner was in a sexual relationship with Shara Wright, who would also be arrested just 10 days later. That's when federal marshals arrested Shara Wright in California, in Riverside County, California. She was pulled over uh, on the highway after leaving one of her son's basketball games. Suddenly, after seven long years without an arrest, two people were facing murder charges in connection with the death of Lorenzen Wright. The feeling of the community was one of just, just uh, shock in some ways because we're talking about a murder that had been a cold case for more than seven years. And then in the span of a month and a half, it went from being a cold case where investigators weren't saying anything to Investigators saying the murder weapon first was found in a Mississippi lake, then Billy Turner's arrested, and then a week or so after that, Shara Wright, Lorenzen Wright's ex-wife, a woman who Lorenzen Wright's mother and others in the Memphis community had always suspected she was somehow connected to Lorenzen Wright's murder, is arrested. I'm glad it took so long so they can get permanent evidence, not no fly-by-night evidence. They can get the real deal evidence. I'm glad it took that long because they got everything they needed. So Shira Wright is arrested late Friday night in California, early Saturday morning in Memphis. Just hours later, I get a call from my news director saying There's, they're holding a news conference this morning. Hustle downtown. We need you there. So that is where the Memphis police chief the district attorney of Shelby County and other law enforcement announced formally in Memphis about the arrest of Shara Wright. And authorities described this case, this investigation, as Operation Rebound. 
named uh, sort of a, a, a nod to basketball as Lorenzen Wright's NBA career. And it was announced that day that Jared Wright was indicted on charges of first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and attempted first-degree murder. From there, Brad Broders quickly flew out to Riverside, California, where Cheryl Wright had been living and was scheduled to make her first court appearance before she was set to be extradited back to Shelby County, Tennessee. So I went to the home where Cheryl Wright lived with her children in Riverside, California, and several of her neighbors in uh, Murrieta, California, told me they had seen her in recent weeks pacing up and down the sidewalk, talking on the phone constantly. And so that, that to me was quite, quite striking. And her first court appearance in Riverside County, California, she appeared strangely in a wheelchair um, and said little. Um, But fast forward a couple of weeks later in early 2018, Cheryl was extradited to Shelby County and she appeared in a Shelby County courtroom for the first time. As court proceedings continued in Tennessee, we started to learn more about Jimmy Martin the man who tipped investigators off on the location of the murder weapon. So we later learned in an affidavit that was read in court that Jimmy Martin had contacted homicide investigators in 2012 to say that he had information about Lorenzen Wright's murder and how he played a role in the murder of Lorenzen Wright. And he discussed and he told investigators that the days before the murder of Lorenzen Wright, he was in a meeting with Shara Wright and Billy Turner planning to murder Lorenzo Wright. She said that he was present for several two uh, meetings with Ms. Wright and Mr. Billy Turner in which the murder of Lorenzo Wright uh, was planned. And in these discussions, the murder was, according to the affidavit, was planned in either Atlanta, where Lorenzo Wright lived, or the plan was to have Lorenzo Wright lured to Memphis where he would be murdered uh, in Memphis. He also stated that he helped those individuals uh, Clean, clean up some of the crime scene, and ultimately traveled with Mr. Billy Turner to dispose of the murder weapon, which was later found uh, in a lake not terribly far uh, from Memphis. According to that affidavit, Jimmy Martin says they attempted to kill Lorenzen Wright in Atlanta prior to his murder in Memphis. Also in his statement to law enforcement, he stated that there was a prior attempt uh, to kill Mr. Lorenzen Wright, and that's why he was in Atlanta, Georgia. The affidavit also read in courts also describes how Jimmy Martin said he had rode with Billy Turner to Atlanta and tried to commit the act earlier in 2010 by breaking into a locked window, a window that had been unlocked by Shara in the days before. He stated that he went to Atlanta, Georgia with Billy Turner, that they entered the home of Mr. Wright, and Mr. Wright wasn't there but they did so uh, at the direction of Ms. Wright, uh, who participated in that plot uh, as well. However, according to the affidavit, once Jimmy Martin and Billy Turner were inside the home, that murder plot was foiled because unexpectedly another man in the home where Lorenzo Wright lived was sleeping on the couch. So according to the affidavit, Jimmy Martin and Billy Turner aborted that plan and slipped out of the house. It's a somber day for those that love Memphis basketball star Lorenzen Wright on the ninth anniversary of his death. But unlike any of the past anniversaries, the chapter of his murder could be soon coming to a close with the trial fast approaching. With their trial date closing in, Lorenzen's family hopes it'll bring the closure and justice they've waited nine years for. Oh, make me breathe again. 
make me really feel good. My mom is crying. She's so happy. <laughs> we'll get this over with because she's getting older. And we, we, can, we have got years and years and years to wait any longer. She's 86. So we need to get this over with. By early 2018, Shara Wright was back in Memphis. And it was looking like she and Billy Turner would stand trial together. Shara Wright and Billy Turner appeared several times in court together from early 2018, several months into late 2018. Originally had a legal team, um, the sons of two well-known Memphis attorneys. However, in July of 2018, those attorneys cited a deteriorating relationship. They recuse themselves and and, and no, are no longer Cheryl Wright's representation. So Cheryl Wright is then appointed a another well-known Memphis defense attorney, Junie Dan Gooley, who's appointed by the judge in this case, Lee Coffey, to represent Cheryl Wright. Fast forward a couple months later to October 2018, we find out that Cheryl Wright had caused a lot of issues in the women's jail where she was being held. Reports say that she flooded toilets, she was screaming, taking off her clothes. And so that raised the eyebrows of a lot of people. But according to Lorenzen Wright's mother, Deborah Marion, she said that she's just playing crazy and it wasn't legitimate. And the judge in October 2018 determined that she was fit to stand trial. So we're expecting this trial to happen uh, sometime in 2019. Um, but all of that changes in the morning of July 26, 2019. I'll never forget it. I get a frantic call from my assignment desk and says, go to 201 Poplar, share a right, is planning to plead guilt. Fred, come to the circle right here, Shelly County, Tennessee, and raise your right hand, please, ma'am. Do you solemnly swear or affirm the testimony you can give these calls for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you die? Yes. Instead of moving ahead with the trial, Cheryl Wright had agreed to plead guilty to facilitation of the murder of Lorenzen Wright. The first-degree murder was off the table in this uh, plea deal. She pleads to lesser charges, essentially applauding the case, but not actually pulling the trigger. Ms. Wright, you have an absolute right to have a trial in your case. Let me say that. Your case is set for trial on September 16. You have an absolute right to have a trial in this case. You understand that? I do. Um, it's right when you entered this guilty plea today, when you heard um, Paul Hagman read the statements of the court a few minutes ago, and when you plead guilty, when you entered this change of plea, you're telling the court that if he had a trial in the case, had he gone forward with this trial, the state of Tennessee would bring witnesses to court. They would testify consistently to those statements that were read in court today. You're telling the court, Ms. Wright, that if the jury believed the state's witnesses, that jury would have enough reason to find you guilty for the offenses that you're pleading guilty to. You understand that, ma'am? Yes. So after Cheryl Wright pleads guilty, Judge Lee Coffey allows Lorenzo Wright's mother, Deborah Marion, to speak. Ms. Marion, good morning. Ms. Marion, when you were first in court, you asked the things that you wanted to say. Yes. And I told you that it was not an appropriate time at that time. But I did tell you at the conclusion of this case, whether it is by a trial or guilty plea or whatever the, whatever the conclusion was, I told you to allow you to say anything that you wanted to because you have a right of the Tennessee Crime Victims um, Right, Bill of Rights. You have a right uh, to express those sentiments to the court. You understand that? Yes, sir. I do appreciate your patience. I know this has been going on for, what's been, nine years now? And I know you've gone through a lot. I know your family's gone through a lot. Thank you, I know it's put you through a lot of pain. 
And I know that you have endured a lot to bring this case to this point. And it took seven years to get somebody charged with this conduct for the killing of your son, Lorenzo. And I know it has been very difficult for you and your family. And you did what Ford asked you to do. I told you, Ms. Barrett, it's not the right time when this um, Sheriff Wright was first in court. And I asked you to please be patient and to please be uh, civil and not have any outbursts because I wanted you to be present every time this case was set. And I will allow you um, to I will allow you uh, to vocalize or verbalize anything that you want right now, Ms. Mary, because you have it right under our constitution now. Thank um, you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. But Sharon, I want to thank you for giving me my grandchildren. That's what I want to thank you for. But I want you to unlock them so I can visit them, so they can see their grandma. Because Sophia keeps calling. She wants to come make chicken and dumplings. And so she thanks Shara. It's it's an emotional moment because the mother of Lorenzo Wright thanks Shara for giving her grandchildren. But she says she misses her grandchildren. She wants to see them. She wants to see her her, her grand her grandchild. And and this. This is certainly a, a contrast from early in this legal process because the first time that Billy Turner appeared in court, Deborah Marion is seen standing up and yelling at Billy Turner saying, how could you do this to my son? Um, the judge said at that day, I know this is emotional. We need to get through this in a, in a, you know, a civil manner. And she prom the judge promised the mother, though, that once this conclusion, she'd be allowed to speak. And so that allowed Deborah Mary and her moments to look Shara Wright directly in the eye. Shara Wright looked right back at her. And it was certainly a, a powerful moment in that courtroom. Am I able to respond to her? Ms. Gayle, do you want your client to say anything at this point, sir? No, Ms. Wright has nothing to say at this time. Uh, Ms. Marion, I want to thank you. I want to thank you to your family. I want to thank you for your patience. I want to thank you for allowing the legal process to run its course, Ms. Marion. And I hope, and I know what has happened to you and your family, your son, can never be undone by anything that these courts do. But I hope it brings you some closure. So I hope it allows your family to continue to heal. And again, thank you for your patience. And we'll deal with Mr. Turner's case in September, ma'am. Shara Wright's plea deal came with a sentence of 30 years in prison. But under Tennessee law, she'll have a shot at an early release. In Tennessee law, with the parole and the time served, she's now going to be eligible for parole as early as 2026. So potentially, she would only spend seven years in prison beyond that plea deal. It's a deal prosecutors said the family supported and one they defended outside of the courtroom following the hearing. Uh, this was not an offered plea. This was not a plea in which she maintained her innocence. This was a, this was a guilty plea. Uh, and they stipulated to the facts that I read uh, into the record. When well, he's talking about eight years, the public is looking at this. They've watched this family suffer. This was a horrendous crime that tore the city apart, really hurt the city, and she could be eligible for parole in eight years. Could could it be. Uh, the Tennessee, Tennessee law uh, is what it is. Had she been convicted of the offense that she pled guilty to, uh, the most she could have received was 25 years. Uh, so she's receiving more than the 25 years. Uh, the fact that this charge uh, has parole eligibility, uh, what that means is there'll be parole hearings. Doesn't mean that they'll be granted. 
And now at five, let's hear from Lorenzen's family and friends. You can imagine what an emotional day this was for them. Local 24 News Senior Investigator Jenny DiPrizio continues our team coverage now. And Jenny, you have talked with Lorenzen's mother, I don't know how many times over the past decade. How was she tonight? You know, Lorenzen Wright's mother said she found out about the plea deal last night. She said she's been waiting for this day for years. But I'm so glad this also my grandkids can heal and rest and come see their grandmama and we can have fun like we used to. That's what I'm glad about to see my grandkids. Let them know they ain't got to worry about nothing. Everything's under control. It's in God's hand. Outside the courtroom, Deborah Marion told reporters she hopes Shara Wright's guilty plea will help bring closure for her family. The murder of her son, Lorenzen, and the arrest of his ex-wife, Shara, has split the family apart. Right now, the family feels relieved. <laughs> You got to forgive me. Now that it is at the end, she can finally start to forgive. Never forget. You never forget your child. But she can start now trying to rebuild her life. I believe that um, God's going to help her so that she can get peace. Billy Turner, the other defendant in this case, has yet to go to trial. As of this recording, Billy Turner's trial is scheduled for January 31st of next year, 2022. His attorney has said several times that he is planning to go to trial and there are no plans for any kind of plea deal. So as of now, it's expected that Billy Turner will stay in trial January 31st, 2022. As that trial date approaches, we're left to wonder if we might finally get answers to some of the questions in this case that have now lingered for over a decade. My biggest question would be why? Why was Lorenzen Wright murdered? Why did it have to come to this? And the other question would be what specifically, what specific role did Shara Wright have in this? I, I We've sort of scratched the surface and some affidavits read in court, but we're expecting January of 2022 when Billy Turner is scheduled to have that trial. We're expected to learn more details, more specifics about what happened, what led up to this, this plot, and why Lorenzen Wright was murdered. As they wait for an end to the legal saga, closure in the criminal case, Lorenzen Wright's family members continue to remember the man they lost now 11 years ago. It's not about his death, it's about his life, how he lived, you know, how he cared for everybody. It wasn't nobody he didn't meet that needed something that he didn't have. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson here along with Reed Redman. Reed, this was clearly a big case in Memphis and beyond. It grabbed headlines all over the country. But Lorenzen Wright and his legacy in Memphis, I mean, he was a really big deal. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a huge deal. Talking to Brad Broders, he couldn't say enough about what Lorenzen meant to that city to have a hometown kid not only reach the top tier of professional sports, but to play at all three levels, high school, college, and pro in Memphis. I mean, it's huge. I'm a, I'm a basketball fan, and I'm always hoping that 
Minnesota guys end up playing for my team, the Timberwolves. It's kind of what you do as a sports fan, and you rarely get to see it happen. And so to a lot of people in Memphis, Lorenzen Wright was a hero. And of course, he wasn't just a basketball player. He was a father. He was a son. We heard from his mother who talked a lot about the kind of person he was, the kind of person that we lost that day in 2010, which I think is you know, something that, that shouldn't get lost in all of the court drama and, and whatever else in this case. Let's talk about that initial 911 call to go back to the case itself. Uh, and, and in fact, that 911 call going unreported for a period of time. Yeah, that really is still, I think, one of the more confounding details in this whole saga. I found an AP article from 2010 that included comments from the actual 911 dispatcher and her supervisor. And what they said is that they didn't send officers out or transfer the call to Memphis because they didn't have location data, so they didn't know where the call was coming from. The supervisor said that he didn't search the internet for the coordinates of the call because there was only one console in their office that had internet access and it was limited. Lorenzen's mom in that same article called the handling of it ridiculous and said, quote, even if they couldn't have saved him, they could have gotten to the murderers quicker. You also talk about Jimmy Martin. Can you tell us more about who he is and is he facing charges in this case? Yeah, we we went through a few of the details about him that he's related to Cher Wright and that he was in prison already when he went to authorities with information about this case. He was actually convicted in that other murder case back in 2012. And to answer your second question, no, he's never been charged in this case. He's been listed in court documents as an unindicted co-conspirator. So they're essentially acknowledging his involvement while saying, no, he's not being charged. Another interesting detail related to Jimmy Martin, after her guilty plea just this last summer, Shara Wright petitioned for post-conviction relief. And at some point in that claimed that it was Jimmy Martin who did it, that she wasn't involved. But then uh, by the end of the summer, she'd actually ended up withdrawing that petition. There is apparently some wiretap evidence. Can you talk about that, how it might be used as evidence in an upcoming trial? Yeah, I expect that we'll get answers to a lot of the big questions swirling around this case when Billy Turner does go to trial. Um, And you mentioned the wiretaps. Prosecutors apparently obtained wiretap conversations between Shara Wright and Billy Turner as part of their investigation. And I think that is a piece of this that a lot of people are eager to learn more about. And because Shara Wright didn't end up going to trial, we didn't get to learn about those those wiretaps then. But with Billy Turner set to go to trial this winter, maybe we'll get to learn more about that evidence after all. All right, Reed, it's a it's a convoluted case. It took a while for police to make arrests to get to where they are, are now. But uh, it's really the story uh, of an icon who lost his life far too early. Reminder, we are here every week with True Crime Chronicles. We are also have a daily show five days a week, Monday through Friday. And Reed, people can find us on our Facebook group, also on Twitter, right? Yeah, you can uh, check us out at Vault Studios on Twitter. And we have a Facebook group called Inside the Crime Vault. If you're interested in discussing the cases that we cover on here and on all of our podcasts with some other folks who are interested in them. All right. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson, along with Reed Redman. We'll be back next week with a new case and a new story. <laughs>